Good evening. Um, if you don't know me yet, my name's Tim. Um, I'm one of the youth pastors here. We oversee things to do with 11s to 18s. Um, if you don't know a young person, get to know one. Um, they are brilliant. Um, and I, can, I could not recommend them enough in terms of helping you to learn who Jesus is. Um, they will keep you grounded and humble. Um, trust, trust me on that. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm about to be a dad um, in... Uh, three weeks time. So if I run out the door, it's because my wife's gone into labour. Okay, um, yeah. So that's cool. Um, who's done GCSEs? Okay, keep that hat or an O level, Andrew Blythe. I don't know what you're laughing at, Nick. Um, keep the hand raised if you've done art GCSE. Okay, now some of you will relate to my pain. Okay. When I was in uh, year 11, um, I uh, was doing art GCSE, and the way that I did art was, um, as soon as I got given a brief, I was really good at knowing what my final piece was. And so I'd spend all my time in art lessons working on the final outcome of the brief. But that was only like 25% of the result. The, most of the result came from um, your sketchbook, and I hated doing sketchbooks. I hated the drawing, the gluing, and the sticking, the kind of, oh, here's a sketch, and this means this to me, and it relates to this artist, and I just couldn't be bothered. And so, because I couldn't be bothered, what I ended up doing was I left it to the last minute. I just left every piece of sketchbook work that I needed to do for all of my GCSE art until the evening before it was due. There was so much to do and so little time. And I remember I had uh, me and my sister, who had, my sister was 10 years older than me. She's done art at A-level. And so me and her spent the whole night like up doing artwork, making things up. She sketched things, I sketched things. There's things that are accredited to me in my art GCSE that actually my sister did, right? <laughs> But there was, when we got it done, but I remember that feeling in that moment of being just overwhelmed by all of this stuff that needed to get done. Overwhelmed. It was suffocating. And life can be like that, can't it? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how life can just be a little bit overwhelming? Maybe you're currently in a GCSE year or an A-level year where you're about to go to university and you're stressing a little bit about how I'm going to revise all of this curriculum. Maybe you've just started university and it's like, whoa, I, didn't, I was here for the social, wasn't quite here for the work. <laughs> I mean, I can go to Spoons, but do an essay, not sure. Maybe, maybe for you it's actually work and the work that you're doing, your employment is overwhelming. Maybe you've got a boss that just doesn't understand who you are, that makes work a living nightmare. Maybe you have to do more hours because actually you're not paid a great wage and the gas bill's going up and so I need to work more now. Adam's like, gas bills? What are gas bills? Um, yeah, you have to pay gas bills, mate, otherwise the lights will go out. Maybe it's, maybe it's relationships. Maybe, maybe you're overwhelmed by... The amount of friends that you feel like you need to have. Or maybe, maybe you're overwhelmed by the lack of friends that you've got. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in, a romantic relationship, where actually, do you know what? You, 
You know you need to end it, but it's, it's overwhelming. You don't want to hurt that person. Maybe you're in fear of being ditched yourself. I don't know. Maybe it's a physical illness. Maybe you're overwhelmed tonight because you know you've got a really important doctor's appointment this week or a family friend has. Maybe it's actually, it's not a physical illness for you, but it's anxiety or depression or the meds that you've been asked to take, but you're not quite sure how your mind's going to react to them. Maybe you just turn on the news like I do and just think, flipping heck, this world is a mess and there's so much to be done. And so the question I want us to explore tonight, right, is that when life is overwhelming, notice I said when, not if, when life is overwhelming, what's the best way to start praying? When life is overwhelming, what's the best way to start praying? So to help us explore that, we're going to spend some time in God's Word, in in the Bible, And um, I'd love you to open your Bibles up to the Old Testament, um, to a place called One Kings. Okay, One Kings. If you haven't got a physical Bible, you have complete permission to get your phone out and Google One Kings. And we're going to be in chapter 19. Okay, One Kings, chapter 19. And we're going to be reading um, from verses 11 um, through to 13. So not many verses. Before we read, I just want to explain what's going on in what we're about to read, okay? So in, in 1 Kings 19, what's happened is we come across this guy called Elijah. Now, Elijah, in terms of being a follower of God, was pretty successful. And he'd seen God do some incredible, powerful things. And he'd just experienced, prior to us reading what we're about to read, great success, okay? But the success that he experienced was actually a threat to the queen of Israel called Jezebel, okay? And so Elijah had this great prophetic ministry and Jezebel saw that as a threat. And so with her power and authority, she actually um, decreed that she was going to kill Elijah because you're a threat to me, so I'm just going to eradicate you. And this sent Elijah over the edge. I mean, you can imagine it, can't you? I mean, it's fair enough to say that he felt a little bit overwhelmed. And in his fear, he ran away. Scholars think that he he did a six-day walk. It's about 160, 120-mile walk, right? It was a long way. There was no Uber back then, right? He had to do this on foot, yeah? So he's walked a long way, and he ran for his life, um, and he even withdrew. At that time, he would have had, like, personal aides, like servants that helped him on his ministry, And at that point, he was so overwhelmed that he even withdrew from them. Maybe because he didn't trust them, I'm not sure. Maybe he thought they worked for Queen Jezebel and they were just going to do a bait and switch on him. I don't don't know. But he'd he'd, he'd walked away from them. And he's actually, people think that he was so discouraged that he effectively said to God, you might as well take my life now. Because what's the point? I'm overwhelmed. So here we are. We enter into this text now. We understand Elijah, overwhelmed, running away, on the run. And he's really tired. And he says to God, you might as well take my life. And then in verse 11, uh, we read this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And when the fire came, uh, and after the fire came, sorry, a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? The emphasis in this story um, is, he, is in God's quiet ways. His quiet ways. In, in this moment in Elijah's life when he's overwhelmed, God isn't found in the spectacular, but instead in a, in a low whisper. In a low whisper. You see, in Israel's history, if you've been in church buildings, right, you'll, you'll remember from the, from the old school Sunday school lessons, right, that God showed up in the life of Israel in spectacular ways. Now, if you don't know who Israel were in the Bible, they were a special people that God marked out as significant and asked them to live in a certain way. And it's from that family, because they were a family, after generations and generations that Jesus comes, right? So Israel's important. And in their story, in their history, God had showed up in miraculous ways, yeah? So God had provided for them. He literally rained down manna from heaven. Pretty spectacular. Imagine you're really hungry and you've not seen food for, for ages, and then the heavens open and it's Nando's. <laughs> right? Pretty spectacular, okay? God provided for them in spectacular ways. He parted the Red Sea. Israel once was enslaved by Egypt and then God freed them. But as they ran away, they entered or they got to the shore of the Red Sea and they had drowning in front of them and death by the Egyptians behind them. They were, they were literally stuck in a rock in a hard place, right? But then like the traffic on the M5, imagine that, right? You need to be somewhere desperate. Maybe you need the toilet. And you're on the M5 and you're in, you're in standstill traffic and then the cars part miraculously. And you realise that on the hoardings above, now the sign says, not motorway closed, but I've done it for you. Your name, right? It's pretty spectacular, yeah? God had shown up in Israel's life in spectacular ways. And we might expect an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, all-seeing, always-present God to show up in our lives in powerful ways, to provide in miraculous ways where we need him to provide, to make ways where there seems to be no way. We can anticipate rightly that he would show up in spectacular ways in our life. And he does do all of that. But here, in this story, in this encounter, we see that God is found in a low whisper. He reveals himself in quietness. He's found in stillness. And he asks Elijah, what are you doing here? When I was 14, my dad paid me to go to church. 
he planted a church in Kidderminster, and I was the only young person. And he knew that I played drums, and he knew that he needed a drummer. So my dad being the shrewd man that he is, he put two and two together. And he said, Tim, you want some pocket money, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, why don't you come to church and play drums? I'll give you £10 a week every time you turn up. Great. Stuff alpha. Let's just pay people to come to church. <laughs> right? It's on Nick. Um, I love playing drums. I'd have done it for free, but I didn't tell my dad that. I loved it. And I loved the noise that it would make. There was, like, there was, no, there was no doubt in my mind that my part wasn't heard, right? Because I played loud. Yeah, I was loud. And after a few weeks, um, the worship leader, bless him, great guy, I think he's still leading worship there now, he took me aside and said, Tim, look, it's clear that you, you love playing drums, but you don't always have to play, right? That there needs to be moments of silence in music for the rest of it to make sense. And so goes in our relationship with God. I do genuinely believe, and I'm not great at practicing this all the time, but there needs to be moments of stillness and silence in our communication with God, our prayers to God, for the rest of life and the world to make sense. It's important. So what's the best way to start praying when life feels overwhelming? Well, I think it's to stop praying. I think it's actually to, to be brave enough to just be still before the Lord and know that he's God. Pretty sure it says that somewhere in the Psalms. Thank you, Josie. Psalm 46. So this isn't, this isn't postmodern wisdom that I'm giving you right now. This is literally ancient wisdom. Be still and know that he is God. And what happens then when, when we're still before God? What happens when life is so overwhelming that we start praying by stop praying and we, when we're still before God? Well, to help us, hopefully, understand a little bit what happens, I'd like to play a game. Up for a game? Great. Ollie, come on, up you come my friend. This is Ollie, give him a round of applause. Okay, now Ollie, what I'm going to do in a moment, if you just stand there and face the audience, mommy help, um, is I'm going to ask you to complete a task, okay? Quite a simple game. You succeed in this game by completing the task. Okay? All right? Make sense? Yeah. Great. The reason why this is important, ladies and gentlemen, okay, is that success in following Jesus is simply this, doing what he asks. Nothing more, nothing less. Success as a follower of Jesus is doing what Jesus asks us to do in the way that he's equipped us to do it and in his timing. And so, Ollie, to be successful in this game, all you need to do is do what I tell you. Okay? Yeah. Simple, right? Let's make it a little bit more complicated. 
So, in life, Ollie, sometimes we're distracted by the things that we see. So let me distract your sight, my friend. Okay? Cover your eyes. Go on, so you can't see. And, you know, we, we see things all the time, don't we? we? We see things through Netflix, through social media, loads. We just see loads. We're distracted by loads. And by the way, distraction doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. It just means you're human. All right? But we're distracted by things that we see. Now, Ollie cannot see anything. How many fingers am I holding up? Three. He can't see anything. Excellent. The other thing that distracts us in life, right, are our feelings. Now, feelings are good. Put your hands out. You want to put this on? It's an oven glove, don't worry. Put it in. Feelings are good, though, aren't they? Like, you know, there's good feelings and there's bad feelings. But sometimes, I think the enemy can distort our feelings about things. And we start feeling things that aren't true. And so our feelings are distracted, yeah? But also, there's also the stuff that we believe in our mind, the things that we hear. Okay? And, and we hear all sorts of things, like, I'm not good enough, or I don't measure up. Okay? And so we're distracted by things that we see, we're distracted by things that we feel, and we're distracted by things that sometimes we hear. But the Lord doesn't speak to us in loud, spectacular ways a lot of the time. Sometimes when we feel overwhelmed by the world, when we feel overwhelmed by the things that we see, by the things that we hear, by the things that we feel, it's found. And so, Ollie, you might be able to hear me, you might not be able to hear me, but here is the task, okay? To pick up the can and drink it. I want you to pick up the can and drink it. Okay, pause. Ollie, I'm going to make things a little bit simple, okay? Because you're feeling overwhelmed by life, what I'm going to get you to do is be still before the Lord and wait on him, okay? And notice, this, this is what happens. Our senses, the things that we see, the things that we hear, those things that we're feeling all the time that are distraction, they start to come off. And they start to be centered and we start to realize how we can hear God a lot clearer and we can see what he's asking us to do. And so that when, the, when we're still before the Lord and we hear him say, pick up the can and drink it. <laughs> Excellent. That's what the Lord loves. Because we're being obedient to what he asks us. And sometimes it's as simple as pick up the coffee cup and drink it. Sometimes it's a bit more challenging. Sometimes it's really encouraging. Hopefully that illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. Thank you, Ollie. Um, so how might we do that then really practically? Um, in, in the book that we're going through as a church, there's a section um, in how to pray, which you can buy at the back. 
by Pete Gregg. Um, and he talks you through a practice of how to um, center yourself, how to be still before the Lord. And this is just, by the way, one way, okay? For some of us in this room, this isn't going to work because actually we just need to get active, all right? And we need to go for a run without the AirPods. Or we need to go and do hit without anybody else in the room. I think that's possible, Jamie. But we're going to try it. And I just want to just, again, complete permission to just watch and observe. But if, if you want to join in on this, I just want to lead you through what's called a centering prayer. Okay? And there's four, um, four steps to this. And we're just going to practice it for literally two minutes. All right? And for some of us, this might feel like the longest two minutes in the week. For others, it will fly by. But there's four, what Pete Gregg talks about in his book is there's four um, rhythms to a centering prayer, all right? So the first is that we relax, okay? And in this moment, we just want to find ourselves in a comfortable position. Maybe actually it's really helpful to put the phone in the pocket on airplane mode or do not disturb mode. But just relax, yeah? Just chill out, man. Just relax, all right? Relax. And the second is we breathe. And so it's about taking deep breaths. So breaths in and breaths out. So in, out. Someone walking in now is like, have I come to yoga? But in, out. And just repeat that and just focus on your breath. Notice your body rising as you take a breath in and your shoulders descending as you take a breath out. And then the third step is to speak. And as we breathe in and out, you you pray a really simple prayer. Sometimes I pray just the name Jesus. And the first syllable of his name is when I breathe in. And then the second syllable is as I breathe it out. Sometimes it might be, come Holy Spirit. Or that psalm in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. We breathe. And then we just repeat that. So we relax, we breathe, we speak, and we repeat. We're being still before the Lord. Finding him in stillness. We say a really simple prayer and we just repeat it over and over again. Amen. And my encouragement to you guys and girls, that if you found that helpful for two minutes, why don't, you, why don't you practice that this week? Why don't you find a space in your home, on your way to work, maybe redefine the journey to work, maybe you get the bus to school. It, it, can, you, can you practice it there and give it a go? Set a timer on a phone and do it for three or four minutes. So Nick and Helly are going to come up and um, lead us in some prayer ministry. It's been great to share a little bit about stuff I've been learning 
around this sort of stuff, I by no way means, um, or mean, sorry, I've got any of this sorted out. Um, I'm someone who struggles through prayer. Um, I'm someone who is um, often very distracted. I'm like the dog in Up. Squirrel! <laughs> I'm like that, right? That's, that's my nature. That's who, a little bit of who I am. Um, so I'm not an expert, all right? But um, the book is really helpful. The book is really helpful. Um, but yeah, so come Holy Spirit.